In our church family, in this month of February, we are focusing on the topic of music. The theme for the year is His Righteousness. Is focusing upon what does God feel best about? What does God want? When we talk about His righteousness, you can narrow down the righteousness of God to, the, to His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the righteous one. And the Bible tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. But uh, in the area of music, we're going to take, we've taken a talk about money a little bit in January. Now we're talking about music. As I said earlier, it's a confusing topic to some extent, certainly controversial. It's very personal when we talk about uh, music, but it's very crucial. 500 times in the Bible, God talks about it. So if he spoke about it 500 times, you and I ought to talk about it occasionally, right? If he's given his opinion about it, we ought to think about that from time to time. And, Christi and, and Christianity and music have... Uh, we have a great reason to sing. God gave us the gift of music, and using it for His honor and glory is extremely important. So in this month, uh, we're trying to take a few minutes, and I'm just going to walk you through some Bible verses on music. And the truth of the matter is, you, you accept it based upon, you accept God's Word based upon your understanding of how much God loves you, and then that will be reciprocated by how much you love God. The Bible says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I have uh, nine children, and I love our kids. And they have, they're much better kids to me than I was to my mom and dad. But the truth of the matter is that um, some of the kids, they could say, Dad, I love you. I could say, Dad, listen, son, you take the garbage out. I said, Dad, I love you very much. I love you very much. I said, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. But then they leave the garbage there. You know, I really don't care how much they say they love me. You love me, then kind of do what I ask you to do. Oh, no, Dad, but I do love you. I'm not doing the garbage, but you are special to me, Dad. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to accept that love. I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, you really love me because you told me you loved me. Because you told other people, oh, I love my dad. But then you slam doors in the house and you get mad and you don't do what I ask you to do. I have a good reason to question when you talk negative about, you know, oh, it's so hard to live in my home. My dad's such an auger. He's so hard-headed. Hard He's so old-fashioned. He wants me to do this and that. Ah, I don't want to do that. But I love you, Dad. Oh, you're the best. You know, our, our life betrays our lips. And God says, if you love me, my commandments are not grievous. It's not hard to, to obey someone you know who loves you so much. His rules, his way, his righteousness is for our benefit. You want to you wanna have a great life? Find out what God wants you to do and do it. Don't argue about things. Well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? You might want to say, what does the Lord want me to do? You know, I think oftentimes Christians, they live in two different arenas. And I think you can find yourself in this. And I find myself on both sides of the equation at different times of my life. But there are Christians who have been saved by the grace of God, but they live in the arena of appeasing God. They just want to appease Him. They're not really interested in pleasing Him. They just do not want Him getting ticked off with them. 
They want to live in his house. They want to live on his planet and suck his air and eat his food and have the good things of life. And they don't want him being judgmental to them, but they just are not really interested. They just want to appease him. And then there are other Christians who are much more passionate about pleasing him. What does he want? What would delight his heart? What would make him happy? Not what would keep him from getting upset, but what would make him delightfully happy? If we can live in this arena, a lot of our questions, a lot of our conduct, a lot of our entertainment, our arguments would go out the window. Are you kidding me? If God's against it, well, I'm against it. If the Lord is not crazy about it, then I'm not crazy about it. If it could possibly be something that would give others a bad opinion of him, or even though I like it, if it's not good for God, then I'm done with it. I, I want to please him. I don't just want to appease him. You know, to know the Lord is to love him. The Bible says, come unto me all you labor and heavy laden. Maybe you find yourself like that today, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon him and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. He said, I want you to get in the yoke with me and learn about me. When you learn about me, you'll find you'll like me. You'll love me all the more. That's why the Bible says, grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Keep growing in what the Bible tells you to know. Uh, why they say, I don't know why they always want me to read my Bible and pray. Because that gets you to know Jesus. Many people are content to know the pastor. They're content to know the Sunday school teacher. They're content to know the church, know how to get there, know how the church works, know what's going to happen in the song service, know what, uh, how the church feels about that. But they somehow, they, they bypass Jesus. And boy, reading the Bible, praying, walking with God, obeying him, it gets you to know Jesus. Had a man some time ago speak to Brother Eddie Lapina, and Brother Eddie told me about this. He said, Pastor, he said, was a man, and you know, he came to our church. He's been in our church for more than 30 years. But he said to me, he said, you know, I'm going to go to another church. He said, I have been in First Baptist Church for 30 years, and I love First Baptist Church. He said, but um, I've always been just comfortable knowing that my spiritual leaders walk with God that they are living above reproach and that they're doing the work of the Lord. And I've always had great security in knowing that my, my pastor and, and the, his wife and the people there are walking with God. I'm not a real good Christian myself, but I love coming to First Baptist Church and I love the security of knowing that my leaders walk with God. He said, but Brother Wilkerson makes it feel like everybody ought to do that. He said he doesn't preach as hard as brother as his predecessors do, but he said he makes you feel like if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, you're wrong. He said he makes it feel like that everybody ought to be a soul winner and everybody ought to live holy and everybody ought to do this, not just him, but everybody ought to do that. He said, I'm not comfortable with that pressure. So I'm going to go someplace where I can just go to like a celebration service every week and I can kind of come, and he's at least being honest. Where I can just, as I can come in as I was and leave as I was and, and, and still feel good about God and, and the fact that somebody around the world is getting, getting saved. 
I thought to myself, boy, that's a, that's a sad commentary. You know what that dear man is missing? And I don't know who he is, but you know who he's missing? He's missing that personal relationship with Jesus. He got caught up in religion. He got caught up in First Baptist Church and a pastor and a staff and deacons and an organization at the expense of Jesus. Getting to know Jesus is the game changer. And the more you know him, the more you will love him. I I was sitting with Linda last night, and I, I just thought of myself, well, what a blessed man I am. I've been able to spend these last 30 years with Linda in my life, and I love her so very much. And the more I get to know her, the more I love her. And the more I get to know Jesus, the more I, I love her. I don't want to hurt Linda. When I find out of some one of our friends or something that has a, a struggle with infidelity or, or hurts their spouse, I, I oftentimes... I pray for them and ask God to help them. And then I usually ask God to help me. Say, Lord, please don't let me do that. Don't let me ever hurt Linda. I love her. I don't want to hurt her. Because the more I love her, the more less I want to hurt her. The more I want to please things. Boy, in my early days, I would never think about picking up her purse and carrying it anywhere. If you left your purse in the car... It could be two degrees below zero. You're going to go back in. I'm not walking out with that. I am not going to be a sissy. I'm not carrying anybody's purse, including yours, Linda. But you know, that's 30 years ago. She left her purse today. I might put it under my coat. But I'd go get her purse. You know why? I loved her a lot when I first got married. But I love her a lot more now. There's a lot of things I'll do. And uh, I'll do for her because I've grown to love her. And whenever we get to know God and Jesus, then we're more willing to do what delightfully makes him happy, not just what keeps him from getting ticked off. And I think we ought to be good kids like that. That's really where, where it lands. If that isn't love, as the song we heard this morning, if you, gotta, if you get a handle of the love of Christ... I was praying for my child, our children this week with Linda as we were traveling. And I said, Lord, I pray you help our kids, number one, to have a strong inner man. Help them be tough on the inside. Lord, help Christ to dwell in their hearts by faith. Help Jesus to matter to Judson and Mason and Lacey and Coleman and Drew. I can't remember all the other kids' names. Lord, help them. Let God work in their hearts. Help Christ to matter most to them. I was calling them, and they're on their way to school, and I said, all right, guys, let's pray together. God will help you. And, and I prayed those prayers. I said, Lord, please help them to have a strong inner man. Help them have a love for Jesus. Then I help them to be rooted and grounded in love. If they will do, if they'll dig deeply into the love of Christ, then their ceiling of commitment for Christ will grow. If they have a shallow commitment and love for Christ, they'll have a low ceiling of, of surrender. All of us give differently. We all commit differently. Some, we're Sunday morning only, and some are we Sunday morning, Sunday night, but not Wednesday. Some of us, we will we'll go to the Super Saturday solely means Some folks, you know, that's not, I'm not doing that. Some folks will give very generously. Others will give frugally or they'll, they'll be sporadic. 
But really, the truth of the matter is what changes everything is how much I love Jesus. The deeper I grow in my love for Jesus, the higher my ceiling of surrender to him. What does he want me to do? What can I do for him? And then that they would know the love of Christ. They would know what it means to be loved by Christ. And God uses a dimension, the breadth of his love, the height of his love, the length of his love, the capacity in which he loves us. If we'll know how much he loves us, then he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we would ask or think. But when it comes to music and these choices, I want to just remind you, what is the purpose of music? Number one, over 500 times in the Bible, it talks about music. At least 100 of that, one-fifth of that time, it is in praise and exaltation to the Lord. When we praise the Lord, when we sing this morning, and it's a fun song, but I have found a wonderful Savior. Amen, brother, amen. He's changing my behavior. Amen, brother. Amen. You know what that is? That is praising the Lord. That's a testimony song. And it's like, it's like if, I, if a boyfriend says about his girlfriend, I have found a wonderful girl. Well, if she hears that, she loves it. In a few days, Ryan and Aaron are going to get married, and we're excited for them. Is it, I get that right? Anna. Sorry about that. Ryan and Anna are going to get married. I'm excited for, for them on that day. But, but boy, when Ryan brags on Anna, she probably just, just starts lighting up. When Anna brags on Ryan, she says, oh, I can't wait to get married. My fiancé, Ryan, he's just the greatest. He does this. He works hard. He does this. He feels good. How much more the God of heaven feels good when we brag on him. We sing to him. One of the reasons for songs is to praise the Lord, to exalt the Lord. Number two, singing educates us. I asked him to put this on the screen. I hope you'll write this down maybe or underline this later. At Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 16. Let's read it together. Can we please, everyone? Ready? Let the word of Christ, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, so what's God's purpose for music? Number one, to exalt his, his person, his attributes. Number two is to teach us, to educate us. We learn oftentimes things from music, but a, a song should teach and challenge us. It should teach us something. It educates us. Next, if you could please, it encourages us. I think I shared this with you, and when our 17-year-old uh, son passed away, uh, it'd be almost 12 years. I can't hardly believe it's been that long. But during those first few days after his passing, man, I never hurt so bad in my whole life. Linda was hurting so bad. But one of the things that blessed us so much was songs. Songs. There's a song Miss Barbara Burke and her friends sang, and I thank God for heaven. Thank God for Calvary. Boy, when I heard that song, it challenged me. When we heard, even in the valley, God is good. Those things, we find the story in the, in the Old Testament of Saul when he was depressed and overwhelmed. And uh, David came and played songs for him, and the evil spirit went away, and a calm spirit came. I think you find, I, I remember years ago uh, working with a young man. He was in the sixth grade. His name was Peter. And uh, Peter was such a good student. He, I was a sixth grade teacher, and 
I started seeing him really. He just was a great a delight. But in the middle of the year, everything changed. And he became, he became failing. He started failing. He became lethargic and non-responsive and very hard to deal with. And I remember going to his house and talking to a single mom. He said, I said, there's something wrong with Peter. I don't know what it is. And, and I began to, uh, to ask him, I said, do you know anything about his music? And she goes, I, I, yeah, you know, he does like to listen to music. We began to, she began to go to his room and she found this music. And it was talking about killing yourself. Death, mortality, uh, there's no hope in life. I'm just reading the words to the song, just the titles was like horrifying. And I remember his mom reading those out loud to me in his, in his room. And she said, oh, pastor, I, or Brother John, about that time I wasn't a pastor, but he said, I can't believe this. These are horrible. And we opened up the little, the little uh, the album and began to read the words of the song. It was awful. It was all it was satanic and fatalistic and horrible things. It was no wonder that his temperament changed so drastically because garbage in is garbage out. And you cannot help but speak of the things which you've seen and heard. And I remember him confronting her, his mother confronting him and said, Now, Peter... I just saw these things. These are not good music. And I saw him go from a, what I thought was just an unbelievable young man to just infuriated. You're not taking my music, Mom. I don't care. I'll move out. I'll live by myself. I'll live in a cardboard box before I take away. You take away the music. And he grabbed those things together. He got all those, those, uh, those, those albums, and he kept them with his mother and argued. And I left the home that night. I felt so bad. And I begin to see that young man's life just deteriorate. Music is, has a, an effect to encourage or discourage. It can feed and edify or it can deplete. It can cause you to be more pure or it can cause you to be more sexual and sensual and perverted. It has an amazing thing, but God's music is given to us so that, first of all, we'll exalt the Lord. Number two, we'll be educated in the things of God. Number three, we'll be encouraged. And then I want you to look real quickly at the last thing this morning, and let's go to Psalm 40, verse number 1 through 3. Psalm 40, 1 through 3. Let's read it together, can we please? I waited patiently for the Lord and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit and out of a miry clay and establish my goings. Now, verse number three, I want you to read it with some, with, don't just read it, think about it. What does it say? Verse three, are you ready? And he hath put a new song in my mouth. You know, the Bible teaches here, he said he hath put a new song in my mouth. Then it says, many shall what? What's the next word you see there? What? Don't you think God might have made a mistake? He's supposed to say, many shall hear it? Is that what your Bible says? No, it says, many will be able to see the song in your mouth. Do you know why? Because music affects how I live. A right kind of music, a music that exalts the Lord Jesus Christ, that teaches me his word and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. 
And some of you say, you know what, well, that's a song to sing at church. But at home, on your, on your iPod, on your phone, on your Pandora, on all those things, it's far different. It's an antithesis to songs that honor the Lord Jesus Christ. And you wonder why I can't get the victory over sin. I can't forgive someone who's hurt me. I've got eaten up with bitterness, and I, I don't think straight. Oftentimes, remember this, a double-minded man is it's unstable. And there are some challenges that go on here. But he said, you know what? God put a new song in my mouth. He's talking about he took me out of a, of a pit, and when he saved me, he gave me a new song. And he said, when he put that new song out, many will see it and fear and trust in the Lord. Music in my life that's right and glorifying to the Lord will make me more of a soul winner. It'll make me more of an evangelistic tool in God's heart to bring others to the Lord Jesus Christ. I think the greatest soul winning churches are churches that have godly music. Because when it gets in me and it's in my mouth, it changes the way I live. You know, you can usually tell a punk rocker by his appearance. You can usually tell someone who likes a certain kind of music oftentimes by their appearance. And you know, a, a child of God or right kind of music will result in many seeing and trusting in the Lord. Brother Quotso gave us a story recently, I believe it was him, on Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas were in the jail. And while they're in the jail, the Bible says they sang songs, and here's what the Bible tells us, the prisoners heard it. They heard the song. And when it came time for the salvation of those souls and that prison guard, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And God used a song. I don't think music is the main medium to get the world the gospel. But right kind of music in me and right kind of music in you makes us more sensitive to getting others the gospel of Christ. May I say the antithesis of that is true as well. Wrong kind of music in my ears, in your ears, and our likes, and what we tolerate also dampens and calluses our sensitivity to get the gospel to other people. I believe it's a guarantee.